This is Lon Winters with Graphic Elephants. This is Jimmy Lamp. This is Matt Masalo with the RhinestoneWorld.com. And you're listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. And you are listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by... My name is Terry Combs RG. Regular Guy. And Aaron Montgomery. We're just regular guys having fun and uh, trying to, to make a living in this really cool and exciting industry. I think we all want to succeed 100% of the time. Seek to understand before I try and make myself understood. Bring a ton of great information. Coming to you live from somewhere dark, dirty, and dank. All right, all right. Well, welcome into the show. It is Friday, August 5th, 2022. I'm Terry Combs. You can find me at terrycombs.com. And I'm Aaron Montgomery, and you can find me at OurSuccessGroup.com. Uh, Terry, today we're going to bring in uh, Joe Kramer, who works with Amber 3 Creative and is going to uh, talk shop with us today. In fact, uh, it, it's already started, guys, so we're, we're, we're primed and ready. And uh, in the in the pre-show uh, discussion, it was already happening. So uh, um, he, he's been in shops throughout the world and, and worked with many major retailers and, and decorating techniques and different things like embroidery and screen print and applique and and much much more and he even uh, said to us before the the show and he'll get into this is you know he's kind of broke the rules right (laughs) people like oh you can't do that well why not right so that was i I can't wait man i'm already stoked about this terry this is going to be great well it sounds like the world of garment decorating doesn't it it does why can't i do that that doesn't seem right (laughs) (laughs) let's give it a try what the heck i love it yeah before the show started we're like we should be recording this this is great stuff so we'll try to to get back to it since you yeah 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 so remember that joe by the way all right so (laughs) Uh, well uh terry i know we got a couple a a news item real quick and then uh getting into this here but let's just say hi this morning to a couple folks that are checked in here uh linden is uh said uh, looking forward to education friday good morning guys good morning to you Lyndon. thanks for being here and then we've got jeremy picker greetings from denver he's got his four shot latte in hand ready to soak in the merch madness so uh uh, gonna be rocking and rolling and then uh, todd downing from fat dad wholesale checking in as well terry and uh rich and cindy good morning to you cindy and uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in we are really excited to uh to talk to joe here terry but um Got a quick news item for us? I, I do. Uh, actually, and, and um, thanks uh, to Eric for reminding, because uh, th- this is something that happened a couple of weeks ago, and we haven't mentioned it on the show, but uh, <laughs> our friends over at Apparel, I guess it might be a little braggy, so, you know. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> over your ears if you don't want to hear any bragging. But uh, our, our good friends over at, at Apparel List uh, have come out with the top 10 influencers in the garment uh, in the decorated apparel industry. And the two regular guys are on that list of top 10 influencers. So uh, we're pretty excited about that. And uh, we have joined a a slate of incredible decorators and previous guests here on the Two Regular Guys podcast. And also on that list is our intrepid producer, Eric Campbell. So also a top 10 influencer in the industry. And um, if you'd like to take a look at that list, uh, you can see, I think, yeah, Eric, of course, has it up on the screen. And, um, and, and I think it's attached to all of his emails too. No, I'm just kidding, Eric, <laughs> but, uh, Hey, we, uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks to the folks over at Paralyst for, um, for thinking of the two regular guys and, and our producer here, Eric, and naming us to that uh, top 10 list. And I, I do feel kind of bad, Aaron, because, uh, the Paralyst people did give me a t-shirt 
and you haven't gotten yours yet, but I, I think it's only because I ran into them in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I might actually have gotten it. I think it showed up in the mail. I can't remember. Oh, nice. I, I got to go go look. I, it was recent, so uh, yeah. Um, yeah, they they, uh, they they did they did send you one because they sent me one as well. So no, I, okay. no, I have two. There you go. But, but actually there none because uh, I see Kim wearing them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, and, and also on that list are our friends of ours, Jay Vassell, uh, Jeremy Picker. I mean, it's a it's a really great list. So uh, go definitely go check it out and follow everybody on there. Uh, and, and yeah, so uh, I thought uh, it was really cool and, and quite an honor to be part of that group of people, Terry. So absolutely. Um, All right. Well, let's uh, let's hit it. You ready to hit a dad joke here real quick? Let's hear it. All right. Am, am I getting echo? Okay. All right. Well, let, let's, let's hit this dad joke real quick. Um, this is now <laughs> if I can kind of share real quick where this came from, there's a equipment supply store, right? Wow. It's okay. Terry, are you getting feedback on my end? Sorry to sound <laughs> perfect here. Okay. All right. So, um, <clears throat> So this was a, uh, there's an equipment supply store just up the street from my house. And every week they change the dad joke on the sign. So this came from that equipment supply store. So uh, enjoy. All right. Are you ready? Did you I'm ready. know? Okay. Did you know that my horse is an insomniac? No, your horse is an insomni- insomniac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a real nightmare. <laughs> uh, there's some uh, head shaking that's probably one of those that we have to explain and and go from there so um anyhow <laughs> that, that now uh I'll, just another quick note joe is uh somebody that might be bringing some dad jokes with him as well so uh we've they'll get better they'll get better i promise <laughs> uh that's awesome well hey uh before we jump in Uh, We want to thank everybody uh, for checking out the Two Regular Guys podcast, and we are always looking for new guests like Joe. And so if you or anyone you know would like to join us on the show, go to Calendly.com slash two, the number two, Regular Guys with your show ideas. If you are listening to the podcast version of the show, we would appreciate you sharing the Two Regular Guys podcast with all your industry friends so they can become regulators too. And Wherever you're listening, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Podcast, everywhere out there, uh, you can find the two regular guys. We would love if you give us a review and uh, just go there and do it right now before we uh, before we start our interview. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Terry, um, so let's see here. It, Todd, with his follow-up uh, now you're going to stir up a lot of responses. Uh, so, all right. <laughs> or, or Todd, that one should have been reined in. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. There's more, and we're just going to leave it at that. Um, well, before we get Joe in here, let's uh, hear a quick word from uh, our success group, my company, about business owner mindset. So I want to share with you three mental states most business owners struggle to master. It's goal setting so that you believe it's possible. It's facing fears to be able to step outside of your comfort zone. And finally, taking action, even when you're not sure what action to take. Now, 90% of the challenges business owners have faced have nothing to do with the nuts and bolts of running a business. It's not the accounting, the production, or even the marketing. It is the mindset. 
Those challenges are nothing to overcome when you are a business owner with the proper mindset. At our success group, we get to support decorators who are overwhelmed for an investment of only $5. You can check it out for the first 30 days. Just head over to the website below to have more clarity and confidence in your business. All right. Well, check that out. And uh, hopefully uh, our success group can uh, support you guys out there if you're looking to build the foundation of your business and, and uh, really kind of get get those you know important pieces that we need to kind of launch from it. Or, or even if you've been around for a while, you know, that foundation is very important. So check that out. All right. All right, Terry. Well, um, would you like to uh, bring in our guest here, sir? Would you mind? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe Kramer has been in the apparel design and development for more than 27 years and has an extensive background in embroidery, applique, screen printing, graphic design, and all the aspects it takes to move a customer's dreams into a production-friendly environment. Uh, Having created astounding apparel designs for massive brands, he now brings his considerable expertise with corporate identity, graphic design, and premium branding to his new role as the head of operations, development, and design at Amber 3 Creative. Uh, Welcome into the show, Joe. There we go. We got you, Joe. Welcome in. Uh, Thanks so much for having me this morning, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great to have you. I I, I got to tell you, I'm a little jealous of your uh, camera set up there. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'll have to give you a little bit of of a history there. uh, During the pandemic, um, I had a really good friend of mine, a musician friend of mine. We grew up together. um, uh, Well, I'll I'll at least preface it with this. I I used to play uh, guitar in a big band jazz band for like 20 years and done a lot of pro um you know music uh, musicianship playing and i still do I still have a band here in phoenix that we play with and so this is actually my primarily my music studio but then as the pandemic uh changed a little bit of how we interact we started to play um what we call over the wire so we started to like log into a a very um a very like like based on proximity but it was basically a a system where we could all you know log in kind of like a chat room but it was all of our own instruments and the latency was extremely low so we could actually play in real time but across town at our homes and that's kind of where it started from and then the next thing you know i've got you know of course my wife lets me this is the loft in our in our house she lets me you know put all the guitars on the walls and and uh you know then of course the lighting came from the, the a buddy of mine, his name is Matt Suarez. He was like, dude, you, you've got to get on this Twitch platform because there's all kinds of musicians that are, have, you know, their primary income was, uh, you know, playing live and they, they don't have anywhere to play live now. So they've moved to this Twitch platform, which is designed for mostly gamers. So you have a lot of gamers out there who show the game they're playing and they have their little you know, a little video off to the corner so they can comment on it and the other little microphone and everything. And it's, it's <laughs> this huge industry I didn't know anything about. And they've basically made a new um, category for musicians specifically. Well, uh, it's kind of worth mentioning because they've also made another category for creatives. So there's a lot of creatives out there that are actually making artwork. And I've started to twitch on there a little bit just to show people how to do separations, just to teach them how to do things that They'll never learn unless someone takes them under their wing yeah. and then, you know, and truly spends time teaching them how and why 
we're choking and trapping how and why we're building safety nets into our files before they go into production, things like that. Yeah. So I've been trying to throw some little little nuggets of, of wisdom out there to help the, you know, the newbies coming up in the world who are, who are really interested in that, especially yeah. since I feel like the industry itself has, has changed so much. We have um, a lot of uh, folks that uh, like, I remember uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we'd have art students coming out of art school that are just beating the door down, trying, trying to see if we take them in and teach them, you know, uh, the, the ropes and how to do things. And, you know, ever since programming became what it is, they'd rather just go off and program and, you know, they don't really want to do the art anymore. Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of true, but anyway, yes, that's, that's how this, the brainchild began with the studio and, and how, <laughs> So, so what because, you're saying is that during yeah. COVID, you had two choices. You could be really productive and do something really yeah. creative like you did right. or eat yeah. chips and get hooked on days of our lives like your mom. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that lasted for about 20 minutes and then I had to go, you know, come up. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. You know. but yeah, but so that that's how this came to be. And then, of course, I haven't looked back just because it's been so fun. And of course, because uh, that whole, the you know, pandemic culture forced us to be a lot more um you know necessity breeds invention so you start looking into technology start looking into various uh ways of getting uh I mean, i've met so many friends around the world because of it yeah. you know and, and we still collaborate and i send my music tracks off to them and they record theirs and send it back to me and we put things together and you know it's just a lot of fun so it's yeah it's yeah kind of awesome it came out so um, but the company I worked for at the time, yeah, we didn't shut down. We were still pounding out shirts, as, you know, the whole time. So uh, it was stressful, but we got through it, you know. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, all right, Joe, before we get into this, um, because the, the horse jokes are still happening in the comments here. So you, <laughs> okay. you got to help me out here. You got to save me. I'm hanging by a thread here. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So I have one. I had, yeah, I had one prepared for today, which was, uh, let's see here. I'm going to go with um, uh, diets, right? I mean, we're all, you know, at yeah. <laughs> some, some point or another, we're trying to, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, uh, you know, I was thinking about getting a little bit deeper in my diet, but at this, this point in my uh, life, I've just got too much on my plate. <laughs> there we go all right <laughs> very good you saved me yeah. joe all right <laughs> well you, you get we started hearing a little bit of history here but but joe really kind of tell us a little bit about you know kind of how you got started in this industry sure. where where, where you, yeah it, just give us the yeah. origin story so the origin story is i grew up in a little um agriculture town um el central california so it's about 60 miles west of uh, yuma and 90 miles east of san diego right on the border, just north of Mexicali. And um, predominantly Hispanic, you know, um, demographic. Uh, a lot of it was, um, so like, uh, I believe like Salinas, California is gonna be the area, Central California is gonna be where they just, you know, most of the agriculture is done in that state for the a lot of the country. And I think the Imperial Valley, at least at the time when I was growing up there was like number two. And in the, uh, now the, a lot of it's just gone into Mexico, but that's kind of where the, the setting where I grew up, very farming town, you know. Um, and so if you weren't, see, you're, if uh, you had a few choices, you could either become, let's see, a nurse, border patrol, teacher, you know, 
city uh, services, and that's it. Like, you had to pick from one of those categories, and that was it. So, you know, uh, coming into the art world in an environment like that, you know, people looking at you like, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with an art degree? Um, and so I, I ended up uh, starting there in, like, in, I want to say mid-90s. I started to build computers. I was 13, 14, something like that, and I started building computers, and I had a, a blast with it. Um, today, when you when you put a PC together, you know, you just pop the components in, turn it on, and the motherboard pretty much knows what's going on. And back in those days, we just had to set jumpers and make everything perfect, or you'd fry the chip and have to start all over again. And uh, so that was kind of what got me started. And then I remember I had a friend of mine, you know, uh, Dilby's going to love hearing this. I had a friend of mine say, hey, I got a copy of this Photoshop. Yeah, I want to take a look at that. I'm like, what is Photoshop? I don't know, you know. So, uh, you know, I put it in my computer at the time, and we're still typing DOS commands, you know, to launch stuff. This is before Windows 95. Windows 95 came out, we just double click it and, you know, open, <laughs> open right up. And so, uh, anyway, start getting into it and self taught, right? We didn't have the YouTubes and the various resources we have today where you could just go and learn how to, you know, change your brake pads, you know, by yourself, if you want to, you know, didn't have any of that. So um, back in those days, chat rooms were even very minimal. They had them, but the chances you'd find someone who knew anything about that specifically were very slim, very low. So we would, uh, I started getting into it, self-taught, hey, you know, ask a few friends, hey, have you tried this? Oh yeah, my work uses it for, you know, letterheads or my work uses it for whatever. You start sharing secrets and next thing you know, I'm deep, deep into this doing like fake IDs in high school. And I was really good at it. And I, and, and, and you know, it's, I know it's kind of starts off as like this catch me if you can kind of reference. It really wasn't about like doing something illegal, not getting caught. It was about the thrill of being able to figure out how to separate the lamination and, I mean, it was the mechanics of getting everything done so perfect that it would render this virtually you can't tell the difference situation. And that was really what I think kicked it all off. Um, I used to draw like I guess my, my drawing time was, uh, you know, my my dad had us going to church three, three, uh, three times a week. And it was the three time reminder that there was something worse than school. And so you had to keep yourself busy, you know, but you couldn't goof off. You had to just sit there, you know, so I, I would draw, I would draw and draw and draw. And um, one day I had this um, teacher, uh, my PE teacher in, I think, junior high. And I don't remember the seventh grade or eighth grade, but he uh, he said, dude, you know, you're, you're doing so much of this drawing. You should really go talk to my son, Brett, you know, Driscoll. He's he owns this. Uh, and I, I was familiar with the Driscoll's, which was um, local like surf and skate shop in town. But they also did, besides screen print and embroidery, they also did like the Letterman's jackets and, the, you know, for all the local high schools. And um, he also had a really nice retail space, too. So a lot of surf and skate and retail shops there. So um, I blew it off. I didn't take his suggestion. I just kind of blew it off. I didn't really think much of it. And uh, as like my first job coming out of um coming out of high school i got a job with uh well let's see it was probably it was probably right right in the middle of high school i got a job at a local newspaper and i was in the editorial section 
And uh, I mean, compared to what I do now, it was, you know, I just, I can only imagine how, I don't know how I got through that. It was one of the most boring departments I ever worked for. Uh, I worked with some great people. It's just because it's so conservative. It just wasn't my, um, wasn't my flavor. And I had a buddy of mine. He's like, dude, you should come over to, to Driscoll's. You know, we could really use another artist. Um, this other guy's moving on to greener pastures and we could use another artist. And, and, and you know, I don't, at this time, I, I knew a lot about the programs, but I wasn't necessarily well-versed in, again, like I was mentioning before, the SEPs, the engineering of the files, all, all those different aspects uh, where art, you know, WYSIWYG is good, but can you engineer the files so that someone can actually use it after you? And so I went over there to check it out. And the, the owner there, Brett, uh, who's now um, uh, two, let's see here. What is going on here? Two years he's been gone with this, but uh, he's, let's see here. He's gone into a, uh, let me see if I can get my video back here, gentlemen. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's all good. I think, yeah. StreamYard's so using a lot of resources there, so keep, yeah. we can still hear so, you. So yeah. Okay. So he's got so my buddy, so my buddy Brett. He's he's now been gone a couple of years. He passed away of a heart attack, but he was the first guy who, who really took me under his wing, like really took me under his wing, and, and said, you know, this this is something I think you could do. Um, the conversation started out where I was going to work for him for free for like a week to see if he was going to like it, and he's like, nah. After a couple of days, he's like, nah, you you got it, buddy. You're you're in. So. I ended up working for him for like seven years and doing, you know, the screen print between the screen print embroidery, the vinyl graphics and the wraps um, that, that kept me so busy and my, kept my mind on a lot of challenges uh, throughout the process. Cause you know, in those days, I think we had like a Zante printer. We didn't have, yeah. you know, no one could afford an image setter. You yeah. know, that was, that was ridiculous. You know, to those things were so expensive. And so this was long before the days of, you know, inkjet film output, which today, you know, is just the standard. Uh, so uh, when I first started there, that we were still doing, you know, ruby lift paste ups and we were cutting out halftone patterns and pasting them up and, you know, cheerleading, cheerleading, you know, 1996 or whatever and stuff like that. So it was it was an absolute blast to 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 get to learn all that. And that's that's really what kicked it off. That was how the interest came. the 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 great part too about it was after after high school, I was really freaked out. I did not know what I was going to do. And my mom is like, you know, you should definitely go into graphics. Is what you're what you're good at doing. So we went uh, looked at some graphic schools, and the closest I could get to was uh, in San Diego was UCSD. Had a visual communications degree and i didn't want that you know i i did it for like a year and i was like i, I want to i want a graphic design degree and so uh the art institute san diego had i mean they were they had been there but they just didn't have a lot of classes at the time so they were still growing and so uh i ended up transferring there and then a couple years later i spent the last year or two um at uh, the art institute online which was primarily facilitated out of their their Pittsburgh uh, facility, um, which is their, their home office. And I had my, uh, my academic advisor says, you know, I really think you should come out and do the portfolio review um, out here in Pittsburgh because we invite a lot of the recruiters out 
um, to come and see the the new crop, if you will, of graduates. And uh, that was where I met uh, my uh, my boss to be, uh, Mr. Bob Poucher, who brought me on to uh, help them and their team for sourcing, facilitate uh, position. Um, let's see, that would be the screen print and embroidery technician for Abercrombie and Fitch. And that experience was what ended up taking me around the world, teaching factories, teaching art teams. This is how we do what we do. And this, these are the best practices. And um, please stop telling the factories to add clear to a PMS color until we get what we think we want you know <laughs> things like that so we, we were mediating a lot of the relationships between what design thinks they want and what the factory can actually do um as well as you know pricing and techniques and you know you're not you're not washing it right can you brush it the applique a little bit more this way and that's next thing you know i'm they're handing me the a portion of the keys it wasn't just my uh you know, my part of it, but there's just so many guys out there that we, uh, with, with, within the Abercrombie, um, spectrum that we got to build a, an R and D facility out there. Uh, it's now known as building R and, um, we got to bring in new embroidery machines, new screen print facility, just everything that we needed. Uh, so it was like Bob Poucher, Jason Kahn, uh, some of my other buddies like Troy B um Craig Brown still there actually to this day uh they've all were part of this huge undertaking to build a four million dollar research and you know design facility oh uh, David Vlasovich I can't forget him he he's an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh washing so the the guy had pallets of perlite and volcanic stones being delivered to that building on like a weekly basis just so they could get the wash right for denim, you know, and we spent a tremendous amount of time with laser machines and, and how we could get um, certain effects with those laser machines and, and just anything and everything. We were, we were actually using uh, ink uh, burnout to cut applique fabric on a T as it's being printed on the screen print press. So when it comes all the way back around, you just peel it off. Hmm. Interesting. And we, just, we would simulate printed stitches on the top just to just to see if we could do it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> just to see if we could do it. So that was an it was an absolute blast, you know, getting into to that part of it. But I'm gonna but guess that on the on the back side, production side of Abercrombie, it wasn't a bunch of guys without their shirts on, right? Not like in the store. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> D despite the uh the main press right uh yeah we we never saw that part of the company Not <laughs> much. I mean, they they would put the, i mean again i can't speak intelligently uh what they're doing now just because uh since uh, mike jeffries the ceo has moved on and you know the board of directors there has done i think a great job uh, at uh um you know reassembling what their new direction is uh you know, I can't speak intelligently about how it, how it is now, but I know back then, yes, the, 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 what, are, what do they call them? The, the Abercrombie boys, the, the front desk guys, that's what they call them, the front desk guys. That's what they call them. And they would have them 
you know, posted up at every entryway of, of the of the campus uh, buildings. So you'd walk in and, you know, you have, you know, how's it going? You know, what can I, you know, I, oh, you want so-and-so? To your right, four down on your left, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> right. so they were offering jobs to all the pretty people that came in. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Oh, it doesn't, that sure doesn't fit you. It's not for you, bro. You know. <laughs> well, I have um, to confess, my uh, one of my sons when he was in college was a manager of an Abercrombie store. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And and as far as the, that side of it goes, I mean, they, from what I understand, they've got a good program and they bring folks in and essentially show them how to run a business. This is what we're doing. So you know, we want to be a part of it, kind of thing. So. Um, but yeah, we did. We were in the background with the chemistry sets. We 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 were paying zero attention to, uh, you know that. What it's funny. I, I get people. Hey, were you know were you part of this documentary? I I took no part in it. Um, they they reached out. They asked if anybody was willing to give up some dirt. I'm like, no, I, we we were busy. We didn't have time for that kind of stuff you know well that's cool though to be able to uh i mean every i'm sure every garment decorator out there would love to say hey i'm gonna spend the next week experimenting with this and uh correct so yeah i mentioned to a buddy of mine jason khan he was a big part of it i think he came from uh he came from no bob came from disney and jason i forget from one of the one of the real big shops jason i'm sorry if you're hearing this buddy but he he was a big part of it too because he was um he was in charge of actually cataloging every technique that we ever did i mean i remember that guy putting in super late nights just so we could have you know a, a specific catalog with a you know, sample of just for example like self-crack ink there's heavy self-crack with a vintage plastisol underbase there's just regular self you know all these different variations of what we know to just be a water-based self-crack that when it comes off the end of the press, you, you tug on it and it, it, they wanted every shirt, especially in the premium brands to have a different distress pattern. And that's the only way we could figure it out. I mean, it's any, any budget minded person would say, just build it into the art and reproduce it as, as, as efficiently and as fast as you can get it out there. But they're like, no, we're pretentious enough to ask for it this way. So let's ask for it this way, you know? And so they would go and, you know, you, you, you know, they would actually have multiple people at the end of the dryers pulling on it, like specifically different people doing it because they wanted it to look different because the same person did it all day. Yeah. Then it would look all the same. So they, they, they were that obsessive about it, making sure everything looked different. Wow. That's cool though. Yeah. Well, so that was yeah. a fun project. You know, Joe, you you had mentioned you you kind of uh, talked about this early on, talking about artists. But uh, tell us a little bit about where you think the industry is headed right now. Well, the the industry, as far as I understand, is um, less is more is what I'm seeing right now, at least in the the higher end retail industry. They, I think that for the most part you know, the days of the exploded prints and the overly exaggerated uh, size of graphics and uh, on garments, I wouldn't say it's dead, but it certainly isn't the direction anymore. Um, I even have a lot of the, the, the people, again, like I, I previously mentioned, we still keep in touch. They still ask me, hey, how did we do this? How did we do that? It was 20 years ago. And, you know, they can't catalog every single thing. So uh, the industry, I like to think that 
decoration and and anything that's you know i wouldn't say loud and proud but just very you know dimensional and complex i like to always think that there's still a demand for it uh, but i but i feel like right now it's really a game of darts man you really got to hit the right market the right demand the right demographic at the right time for the right event and then the those extra efforts will pay off um to throw a you know two or three layer applique at a uh you know cheerleading squad it'll look cool but you know there's obviously going to be a a financial cap as to what can actually be worth all that effort because that's a tremendous amount of work um you know between lasering the fabrics and getting them all digitized properly and laying them all down one by one um you know that's that's a tremendous amount of work so i'm not saying it can't happen but um i think there is a demand for because you know we're, we're battling with two things we're, we're battling with i think still the 2008 you know recession um that was when we saw a lot of that uh over graphical just really elaborate stuff we just kind of saw that just hit a brick wall after that I mean, I could tell, I could see it on a chart where the embroidery sales just dropped off. It went back to left chest only on embroidery and went back to front chest only on screen print until the economy could get back, you know, to a better state. Or if it did, if it was a left chest full back on a screen print, it was a one color, you know, left chest and then a, you know, full color back. That's just what I saw. And I feel like that, you know, really multi dimensional. Um, decoration ended up really not uh, gaining the same legs that it had before that 2008 recession happened. Um, So now, uh, and a big reason why I had come on, uh, spent some time coming on uh, to now Amber Creative is because uh, Jeremy and I have always had a very similar romanticism with applique with three dimensions, like a lot of dimensional decorations and multimedia. And he just has a really good vibe that I've always been able to uh, jive with. We don't really have to, like we, well, the same thing, we, he and I can just sit here and talk about this kind of stuff all day long and our <laughs> wives have to pull us away, you know, hey, <laughs> dinner, you know. Uh, but that's that's the passion that, that we've, that it was, I, I never thought, you know, going back to sitting in church, making a drawing that I would ever be sitting here right now talking to, uh, you know, such influential people in the industry. Uh, I've been in the dark, uh, no pun intended here with my studio, but I've been in, (laughs) in, in, in the dark, in the back, you know, messing with the chemistry set for so long, you know, I, I haven't really taken the goggles off in, in years. This is just where I've always functioned. And so, um, as I got to talking more and more with Jeremy over time, I realized that I do have this gift of wisdom and knowledge and I'm not taking any steps to find the right platform to share it with the people Yeah, because I'm not worried about someone stealing secrets. This, I should, this not, nothing we're doing is secret. It's all regurgitated versions of what's been done, but yeah. I feel it's our responsibility as artists to continue to evoke that emotion in, in others um to keep that ball rolling you know I, I feel it's our responsibility so where i see the industry going especially in in overly elaborate 
you know, decoration is that I, it, I think that it's going to be more of a, of a pinpointed, uh, real results. You really got to get everything right. Uh, you're not just going to throw up something like that up at, at a, you know, giveaway event, you know, where they're going to order 10,000 pieces. It's just not going to, you know, be a wise use of, of funds at that point, but that's where I see it going. And, um, yeah. And also too, congratulations on being influencers. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Speaking I, of influencers, I, um, yeah. Jeremy uh, says applique yeah. forever. So we got to get that in there a little high, double high five there. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and, and a, a funny, a uh, little funny uh, a blurb I'll, I'll put in about Jeremy just because I've known him for so long. And it's one of those relationships where um, at first, when we first met, I knew of him, but we hadn't really interacted a lot. This was, I don't know, it was years ago, 15 years ago, something like that. But he was working for a company in Phoenix uh, called Fabtex Graphics. And uh, I actually went and worked for Fabtex Graphics for a while. Um, while we were building the um, development facility at Abercrombie & Fitch, um, before, the, I want to say two years or so before we built that facility, uh, we were outsourcing all of our applique um, sampling and and some domestic applique laser cutting production to several companies around the U.S. But, and, and one in Canada. But most of it was a lot of it was done there in, here in Phoenix, uh, where I'm at, at a company called Faptics Graphics owned by uh, Steve Schlesinger and uh, at the time Scott Burrell were partners. Um, long story short, uh, Abercrombie passed the torch to me and said, we want you to help build the digitizing side of what we're doing i said okay i think you need somebody who knows a little bit more about it than i do i mean i know but i don't know to that specific degree so I ended up going and hiring scott scott and steve you know dissolved their partnership and at the time we were sending our applique purchase orders for sampling because we were doing a lot of sampling there at the facility so that we would keep a sample with us at the home office of Abercrombie. We would send the other one to the factory so they would knock it off. So they had actually had a proper graphic standard. Um, and at that time, Jeremy was working for Fabtex Graphics. So that's how he got his start in learning about how all this applique uh, was done, how it was executed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, unfortunately, I was way far back on the sidelines but i did get to watch jeremy build his business with amber and then you know throw a football seven eight years later i find myself um working for fabtex as an ops manager and here comes all these orders from amber and man, we pounded them so it was really cool to kind of see that circle of life you know yeah. happen and it yeah. all started from the passion of, of again, overly elaborate uh, decoration techniques. <laughs> so. Well, speaking of that, speaking of the over elaborate, but, uh, you know, you've already talked a little bit about it, you know, talking about high end decoration, right. And, and where that might fit and stuff like sure. that. But, you know, we've got a variety of listeners here all the way from some startups to people that have been around for a while and, and, and everything in between. But, you know, if you're, you know, let's just say you're a screen printer and, um, you know, you're doing, Terry calls it the, the bread and butter work, the, the gym's towing, the two color, you know, like you said, yep. left chest and maybe, Absolutely. but as, as listeners, as people tuned in from that perspective, why should they really understand this high-end decoration technique? 
for well, let's see, for an artist side of it that I can tell you at least. From sure. My yeah. Yes. Wherever. Because, yeah. Wherever that takes you. Right. Because because you know the same left chest again and again and again becomes what it sounds like. It's the same old thing again and again. Now the okay. good thing about this, it's easy. It's easy to execute um, as long as you got a good digitizing scenario and you just pounding out embroidery left chest. Great. That's if that fits the the model, we'll take it. You know, it's 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 helping people feed their families and pay their bills. So let's do it. Um, from a small company standard, um, there are things that, that could be done to take what would normally be a simple left chest and make it a, a little bit spicier. I mean, there's there's times where we can actually cut um, a piece of fabric around the outside of the logo, specifically okay. so that it will fray and just, you know, you put layer tracing stitch down and put your piece of fabric on there and then sew the logo over the top of it. And you have a really nice uh, little addition to uh, something that was no more than what, eight, nine bucks a yard of fabric over at one of your local fabric stores, little, yeah. little things like that, that don't seem like a big deal. Your customers like, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, and that, that makes a huge, you know, a huge impact. Um, the other thing is at these smaller business level, I feel like you can actually get away with a little bit more in the sense that if you want to try a different kind of thread um, and each cone of thread is, you know, 15 bucks at that smaller level, you know, you can do a little bit more. I mean, we, I, it, when you're doing high end retail, you, you got to now convince the factory that they're getting paid enough to go and order, you know, an, an entire pallet of thread for the next three jobs you have coming through. And that going from an $8 cone to a $15 cone, that's a significant ask. You know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars different um, at that level. So uh, with the smaller shops, uh, there's other things you could do too, which is, I remember like the, the Letterman's jackets that I was mentioning before at the, mm -hmm. one of the first uh, place I ever worked. Uh, we would just take pre-made chenille on felt patches and just embroider whatever we wanted to on them. And we would order slightly smaller ones and that we would put people's logos on that and then put them to the you know center of the hats. And uh, you know how like one, one hat feeds the other one department gives another department an idea yeah, and they take it from there, which is super, super cool. Yeah. But, um, but the, uh, I think in some ways, some of that development is better because it's a smaller shop than if it was a bigger shop where you have rotating screen print operators. So you ended up training half of them one day, but you didn't train the other half. And so when that job comes back through, you don't have that same crew with all that familiarity of what to do and how to do it. Uh, whereas a smaller crew, you can pull them off to the side, buy them a pizza lunch or something and say, hey guys, thanks so much for you know helping us really get this technique nailed down because the customer's super super excited which is what it's all about you know the customers they get bored sometimes too they they want yeah. something a little different and, and and how do you do that and uh and i'm sure um uh, eric what i like about uh your podcast but uh, you know eric's podcast also is that he really does help some of the smaller shops get their feet wet and above all to not be afraid of trying something new yeah. I mean, obviously, when it's three o'clock in the morning and you got you've been working on something and grinding on it for hours and hours, there's a time where you just have to push away from the desk and say, this is not this is not what I need to be doing right now. 
Yeah. But uh, I just love how the, the network now is so strong where you can reach out to um, there's so many Facebook groups now where you can throw a problem up there and get a response within minutes and not have to. I, re- I just remember the old days. You'd have to call, call, call and be super aggressive yeah. about those answers to find out, you know, how do I, you know, get an inline heat press for my screen print? machine or how do i you know accomplish these things Mm -hmm. you know because we have deadlines and we have a technique we're trying to hit that we said we hit but we didn't know we could or not so we're now stressing out about it so anyway that's okay can i i want to go back to something you said just a little bit earlier this really stuck with me and 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 so i wanted to kind of discuss this with you a little bit more too you kind of mentioned you know okay put put that piece underneath you know kind of just make make it pop a little bit more. Right. I think like you said, you know, the customers are just like, Oh wow. Right. And, and for you as the decorator, it wasn't that much more involved. Right. So you're just adding, you know, I I would just say you're adding perceived value in, in a lot of ways. So I guess I'd love to hear your take on that too. Right. I mean, I hear this all the time working with small business owners that, uh, Oh, well they, they won't pay that in my town or or those kinds of comments. Yeah. I think it has more to do with perceived value. So, what are, what are your Absolutely. thoughts there as an artist? A- Absolutely. Um, well, per, yeah, perceived value is is obviously half the the battle, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's what we think it's worth, not necessarily how much work we had to put into it to okay. see what it was actually worth. So, what I was I'll do here is I'll share a couple things with you. I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, I think I can. Let's see here. Share. Let so for me... those of you guys listening on the podcast side, Joe's actually yeah. going to be pulling up some images for us here. So we'll, we'll walk you through them as well. But uh, you're definitely going to want to come check out, uh, check us out over on YouTube. You know, just search for two regular guys and, and you can uh, tune in here. But uh, here yep. it comes. Awesome. Okay. Eric, If whenever you're ready, bud. So th- this is the last company I worked for, Extreme Apparel. And one of the reasons why I want to show this piece here specifically is because it is um this was a mistake actually and this was a garment that we did this uh uh, embroidery for and the customer loved everything about it just didn't love the garment that we had had got for them which i believe was previously negotiated but uh sometimes things don't work out the way we want it to (laughs) so my boss mark at the time was like hey can you uh can we fix that i said well Give me a minute. Give me, give me a day or so. Let me scratch my head on this one. So I'm like, yeah, all right. Like I came up with an idea. So this is an example of uh, me covering something up. And because it was on a piece of outerwear, you'd never know that we had done something on it before. Uh, so I think this thing came out to be some of you uh, embroidery folks out there are really going to appreciate. This was I want to say this was right around 15,000 stitches, something like that on a, an oval, I believe was around nine and a half inches wide. Most of the stitching uh, is, is actually in the, the outlines, the gray silver outlines. Um, Even though it looks like it should be the red, the red wasn't that bad, but uh, we covered it up. And so going back to uh, Aaron's question here, uh, this is going to look far more expensive than if I would have just embroidered that logo on the fabric by itself. 
you know, because you would see the gray fabric right through everything. You wouldn't get to see this black piece of poly twill that's, you know, holding down the fort, if you will. And it looks far more like an expensive patch yeah. than it does a simple, you know, back center embroidery. Um, so that's what I really dig, you know, about that specific piece. Um, it's there's nothing special about it. I think I punched it in Wilcom and it's not perfect. You still see some trims in between the letters that we didn't grab, but this is also probably like an initial, you know, again, I just take quick pictures of things I work on over the years yeah. and let Google sort it for me. You know, <laughs> so when, I, <laughs> yeah. when I type in embroidery, all my embroidery things pop up over the years. The, the important thing is uh, it didn't end up at yeah. Goodwill. You uh, probably yes. an expensive garment. So and, exactly. Because you can all use those tips. <laughs> and, and I'm really glad you mentioned that too, because I see this happen all the time where you, you got this awesome garment. There's this one thing that the customer didn't like about it. Technically it, it's everything they wanted, but you know, you don't want to trash it, but you know, the customer can't take it back or they don't want it or you can't, you know, is it, I guess that's what I'm trying to bring up is that you got to weigh out the, is it better for me to just discount it and clear it out and try to give it away to the customer so I can at least make some of my costs back? Or is it better for me just to cover it up completely and try to do something else? Screen print's a whole different animal because screen print is uh, like typographically sensitive. So if you have, you know, several layers of one print, the chances that you'd be able to put more layers over the top of that print and not see the underprint are very slim. You'll, you're going to see, you know, that variation, yeah. you know, of, of you're, you're going to go way down the rabbit hole with, the, <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. It, exactly. And so <laughs> the, the, uh, the, 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 the ability to be able to take something, I can't even tell you how many times we put patches over the top of old, you know, there was a, a sleeve print that was the wrong, it was the wrong year. So instead of 2000, you know, 19 or something was supposed to be 2020. And, you know, that was all incorrect. So, I mean, just something as simple as ordering, you know, flag patches online and just heat press them over the top and keep going will yeah. save you 300 shirts. How much are, how much are flag patches on eBay? You know, get 300 of them for a couple hundred bucks and save yourself, you know, $3,000 job or whatever it is, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. So, wins, um, so real quick, Joe, um, one of the regulars here, Ramona, uh, just clarifying. So under the extreme oval, um, it is, yes. is another design that you're hiding. Is that, that's correct, right? That, uh, that is correct. That is okay. correct. And I, I wish I would have taken a before and after of this one for this an example, but I did not. Yeah. That's um, okay. It, but yeah. it was great. Yeah. In fact, uh, Tim Allen says uh, happy accident. And, yep. <laughs> and Cindy says, very nice save. Um, and yeah. Cindy also said a little earlier, she says, I love putting Chanel on hoodies. I'm actually getting ready to do a run of the local high school names on zip up hoodies. So, um, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. That is, no, that's all, that's all great. I was trying to see if I could yeah. show so another example. And then while you're looking that up, um, Mike Muldowney says, uh, oh man, got here late, straight into a giant applique patch. We're, we're talking my speed here. So yeah, right. <laughs> well, I, I love, I love that. I love hearing that, uh, there's folks out there willing to, uh, to, you know, grab, uh, grab onto that just because it's, again, it's, it's not easy and that's why we like it, you know, sure. but I still don't want to ignore, uh, Aaron's point as far as what would the 
the average shop be able to dive into yeah. and uh, and get their feet wet without having to really uh, uh, go nuts here. I've got another example here of uh, probably the easiest form of applique that you can ever possibly dive into, which is a single layer of felt. Now, I'll tell you right now, this felt, there's no secret. This is just craft felt that you could get at Joann's. Um, it is acrylic felt. It lasers very nicely. Um, some of you are like, "What? how am I going to get that? I know there's companies out there that will um, make applique for you. All you got to do is send them the vector. Um, there's companies out there that will do a vector as well as the digitizing. Um, and so, uh, Cindy, I just saw Cindy's comment. How do you cover up the inside? Great, great question. Um, so if you use if you use backing that uh, is cutaway instead of tearaway, then the chances of them actually peeling it off to see what's underneath are very, very slim. Um, the other thing, too, is I, I don't know that I would sell that particular garment back to a different customer, but I would definitely take that garment and put self-branding on it, and that goes out to the employees. And that way you don't feel like you've you've completely lost that. Right. that part of it hope that helps yeah, yeah that's a um great, great point and i want to show a couple okay. things here yeah go ahead joe while you're pulling that up yeah too i want to also don't want to uh miss jeremy's uh comment here he said uh, not just because he's saying 100 percent Aaron. so i'm just <laughs> i appreciate that but the point is is what i want to get to he says the perceived value is greater than the added cost people give budgets based on their past experience so we have to show and share why the added cost will get more impressions raw costs yeah. go up the cost per impression goes down because it will get worn more yeah that's a really good point jeremy so I that's make true sure we share that. That, yep. that's very true I'll actually show you um, this guy. I posted this on my LinkedIn not too long ago, just so you guys could see this. Um, this was when I was working for San Segal at a Salt Lake City, Utah. We had um, the Landry's account, so we were doing tons of work for you know Bubba Gump and um, Joe's Crab Shack was one of them. And so this was actually an experiment with a thread called Bermalana. And what I really like about this piece is that it really shows what fat text, I think it's like text 77 or most text weighted thread is like text 27 or right around text 30. And so uh, this is a really cool piece just because the thread is just so soft and wooly. And uh, we, we embroidered this with a wash away backing and the uh, end result was just awesome. You got to understand too. This this thing is, I believe, nine inches wide, and I think it was right at like ten thousand stitches for for something being a full chest like that. So you can just imagine these hoodies with this luxurious feel. Um, granted, the the machine time is going to be a little bit slower with with this fat thread, just because you want to make sure the hook grabs the loop and that the knot is tight and you have extra tie off locks within your digitizing. But again, going back to the perceived value, this luxurious woolly thread sitting on a nice, you know, hoodie versus if I were to have done this with embroidered, like normally they're, you know, poly or rayon embroidery thread. Don't get me wrong, that like that thread looks great, but the perceived value of this piece is just going to be exponentially higher. And yet we put a little bit more money into the thread 
and we changed a little bit of our digitizing technique so we're, so that the the density is not as dense since we have thread that's almost three times you know thicker than normal thread um and that's where this piece right here gives you a tremendous amount of of options um i think i did if i remember correctly i think i did a um another piece where yeah here's a here's a sample of the same technique but i'll just kind of blow it up for you so you could see yeah you can see how woolly that thread really is yeah that's um, awesome. when you actually get to touch it but as far as the digitizing goes uh it's really not that that bad where you would punch like a, a, a i'm talking to the people out there running you know uh pitches and they're digitizing if you're running like a point three six or or you know millimeter right in that range uh something like this you just punch it like 1.2 um, and it, it, it just comes out absolutely great for just a regular satin, like right around one, 1 1.2. And it comes out like this. The other thing to, to note, especially to some of uh, our digitizers out there listening or, or people out there doing it uh, themselves is that a lot of thread and its final result, especially after you wash the garment, if you're using a wash away backing, a lot of that density, it looks sparse. And as soon as you wash it, it looks dense because you're going to get that three to 5% shrink rate of the fabric itself. That's going to now, you know, relax after the backing is gone. All those thin polos that we have now today, all those uh, sport performance fabrics usually get a lot of rigidity added to them. And that rigidity is not washing away. It's, it's a cutaway scenario. So, um, so that's another aspect of where this technique is going to have a little bit more of that vintage feel yeah. uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, the the rayons and the poly threads are going to have, you know, a bit more of a modern feel just because that's, you know, that's what it is. So um, so anyway, any of the embroidery guys uh, and gals out there that are listening, um, if you've ever wanted to use, and, and the best way to get your feet wet with, with this type of technique, if you've ever wanted to use cotton-wrapped, polycore thread or con or in sewing construction thread in your embroidery machines you can just make sure that the size weight is going to be comparable for your digitizing but you can all day long it is something that that um when i was with abercrombie we did we had zero um if if i can remember correctly we, we had very little like Silco or Rayon or, or Shiny Thread. Everything we did, we wanted it to be, you know, have no sheen to it, dull in color. And you have to understand too that sewing construction thread um, has been pre-treated so that it doesn't shrink. It's got the minimal amount of shrinkage. So an after-wash scenario, you don't see that puckering that can happen that will typically happen with traditional embroidery thread. Now, not knocking traditional embroidery thread, it's just that they're just made two different ways, um, you know, for that part of the industry. So I went on a tangent, sorry. All right, no problem. We, we love tangents. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, that's awesome. Uh, hey, Joe, we're, we're coming to the end of our hour. Uh, where can our listeners find you uh, out there in the world? I think the best thing right now is probably just through LinkedIn. If you guys want to connect and uh, drop me some, some lines over time. Um, I am putting together uh, a website. Um, of course, you know, uh, Jeremy's been a big part of that too. He's just such an influence 
uh, influencer for me and encourager for me. Yeah, see, he's right there. I'll knock it for you. And so, uh, what, what I, what I'm gonna, oh, he's got it already. Yeah, <laughs> he's got it on there. Uh, yeah, hit me on, hit me on, on and I'm happy, <laughs> absolutely happy to share with you what, at least what I, I don't, I don't know everything, but I just have so much fun learning about these things and talking about these things. And um, again, thanks so much for you guys for having me on, and for Jeremy for encouraging me, pushing me out of the nest, if you will. Uh, for being able to spend some time with with you guys it's been it's been a lot of fun yeah yeah joe this has been fantastic we could definitely do this all day um all day. And, and so we're gonna have to get you back on for sure so uh that that's that's a, a for sure i wanted to talk to a couple regulators here real quick uh make sure now first and foremost uh like i said if you are listening to the podcast version do go and check out uh check out the, the social media over there youtube or facebook and and see all the comments uh eric has had some great comments in there um and and just lots of good stuff here Kristen said uh that she got a project from a realtor who switched companies but loved their old jackets so i'm rebranding them with a patch you know what, awesome. what a great idea yeah i love that and then and susan we're not going to get to your question in here um but uh if you guys want to jump in and help susan out with some ideas she's uh, looking for uh a, a digitizer um, locate a company, maybe stitch out 2000 patches for August 24. So, um, anyhow, jump, if you guys, uh, regulars want to jump in and help Susan out, we'd appreciate that very much. Um, all right, Joe, anything that we, I know we left plenty on the table. So like I said, we're going to definitely <laughs> well, have to get you gonna, back, but we're going to have, we're going to leave everyone on the cliffhanger. So we have more for, uh, for all our right. next show. Awesome. Let's, <laughs> let's do it again soon, Joe. Yeah. Again, this, we could do this all day. I, I know all we day. just scratched the surface. So, um, and thank you so much for bringing the pictures and stuff too. That that's incredible. Yeah. Well, and, and I'll have a little bit more visuals for next time too, just so we can kind of keep the party going. Sure. Boom. All right, Joe. Thank you, sir. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thank day. And we will talk to you very soon. Pretty yep. Sounds soon. good. You guys have a good night. Take care. All right. All right. All right, Aaron. I got to tell you, I was mesmerized by his camera. <laughs> <laughs> that part was super cool too. And, and the, I mean, just the, yeah. And then, I, well, okay. I do have 15 minutes of embroidery experience. So I don't know if that's more than you, Terry, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, just looking at the pictures and, and then just all the creativity that goes on, not to, you know, I mean, it's one thing to be creative with the actual work that you're doing, but also then thinking about, okay, how do we increase our perceived value? What do you do with a mistake? I mean, just all those gold nuggets that, that flowed, you know, through that. I, I thought that was really cool. So um, really appreciate Joe's time today. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, sir, let's um, get into five things because we are into bonus time already here. So uh, 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 let's do a quick five things from one of our regulators here. All right. This is five things by Kristen Schneider of Thread Designs Incorporated. Uh, so these are five things to do at the end of the day for a home-based business owner. This is an awesome Excellent. list, by the way. Uh, number one, check email one last time and respond. Even if it's just to say, I got your email when, get, when we'll get back to you tomorrow. Number two, check your voicemail, return calls, or put them on a list to deal with first thing in the morning. Number three, Make sure you invoice all completed jobs for the day. Yes, that's got to get paid. Invoice, invoice. I love that. Uh, number four, set up the next day's first order. So you're ready to rock and roll right out of that. Man, Terry, that's got to be coming like just 
you're the production guy. So that's got to really make you happy. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, awesome. And then number five, clean off your desk and in all caps, shut the door to the office on your way out, right? Just, just get that end, you know, so that way you can kind of transition into the next phase of your day. So um, I love that list, Kristen. Thank you so much. Uh, those are five things to do at the end of the day for home-based business owners. So, And we awesome. would love to get five things from uh, all of our other regulators as well. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, so if you would like to participate in five things like Kristen did, uh, she just emailed that list over to us and that is perfectly fine in, in all ways, shapes, and forms. Info at tworegularguys.com is uh, where you can find that or hit the website that you see on the screen below, tworegularguys.com forward slash five. And that's the number five, five things. And uh, once you're there, you can actually record into a little voice recorder right on that page. You can type into the form that's on there, or if you want to just, you know, send us a quick video, pick up the phone to your face, send us a quick video and, and go from there. So, um, we would love some more five things from you guys. And, um, so we're looking forward to it. Who's going to be the next one to uh, send us a five things. We'll, we'll see. Who who do you think? Any bets on that, Terry? Mm, And we can't pick Eric. Oh, dang it. I was going to pick Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Good joke. (laughs) All right. There you go. Awesome. Well, Terry, what do you got coming up here, sir? Uh, My next complete screen printing business course will be in Chicago with Atlas Screen Supply. That's going to be August 27th, 28th, around the corner uh, at Equipment Zone in Franklin Lakes, uh, New Jersey. That's the New York City area. That will be September 10th and 11th. And my next class here in Phoenix at Workhorse Products is going to be an extra, actually the date has changed because Workhorse had a conflict, uh, Hmm. September 25th and 26th. And just heads up, if you're looking at coming to the class in Phoenix, it is filling up really fast. So, um, and all my upcoming events for 2022, and I guess it's almost time to start 2023, (laughs) are at my website at terrycombs.com. I know, crazy, huh? Yeah, stop saying (laughs) that, Terry. Gosh, (laughs) I'm not ready for that. All right. uh, let's let's uh, talk about what Eric's got coming up here next, and then I can share a couple things that I'm going to be doing in not too distant future here. So um, let's see here. We are into episode. <laughs> Sorry, it's Eric. changing very it quickly. Changing. Before so, uh, our eyes, everybody at home. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I the love outline it. is physically changing. Well, uh, first and foremost, you guys get over to EricCampbell.com. Uh, as I said, there were some great comments by Eric that we didn't get a chance to bring up today as well, and. Um, Gosh, when Eric has Joe on on his show, oh my goodness, it's going to be a must watch. Plus, it'll probably be three hours. So um, I love it. All right. So today, though, if you're heading over to uh, the take up, it's episode 122, finding your foundation in embroidery digitizing and fueling your growth. So in this episode, he's going to answer listeners questions about how to get inspired and technical knowledge that will drive decisions about digitizing for machine embroidery. Uh, if you've ever heard Eric talk about consuming broadly and creating with focus, this is the episode where I'll tell the story not only of how he taught himself how to digitize, but how he looked for inspiration, experience, and answers in those early days as well. In fact, Joe talked about that, right? You got to get out there and and do all that. So, um, and, and really just how he continues to look for that inspiration. So I think this is going to be a fantastic show today. So go to ericcampbell.com and you can get all the details. You can see past episodes and um, it, it will be a, a 
great episode today. Uh, you can also look for Eric um, and his extended session happening out in Impressions Expo in Fort Worth, uh, making small run patches. And uh, that's going to be a great, uh, great seminar out there, uh, probably in the Eric Campbell wing of the seminar hall. Um, I, and I have to, to all of our viewers, our listeners can't see it, but I had a big smile on my face because as Aaron was reading, Eric was typing. It was like a teleprompter. <laughs> Eric was trying to type faster than read it. Once. It was like his teleprompter. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, and then Jeremy says, great job, Eric, producer extraordinaire. 100% agree uh, with that. So, um, all right. So check out Eric again, ericcampbell.com. That's where you want to be. Uh, that's where all the action's happening. That's where the cool kids hang out. So get over there um, after you're done over at terrycombs.com. All right. Uh, quickly for me, uh, September 11th, I will be participating in an international online small business skills summit. Uh, I get to be a speaker. They're going to be bringing 30 experts over 30 days. So if you will go over to osg.link forward slash skills summit, uh, you can check it out. And uh, my session is going to be called Conquering Fear and Thrive. So one of my favorite topics that comes out of my success principles training. Um, it, it's uh, something I use every day too. So um, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, September 15th, I will be on my way to Charlotte, North Carolina and the Graphics Pro Expo out there. And uh, the day before I get to host the Start Here Academy and uh, I get to be the MC and get to highlight three amazing makers and influence as they kind of share inspiration, how they got started, great tips about startup. And here's the thing that I'm really excited about too, not only that kind of those tips about starting up, but the startup mindset. I don't care if you've been in business 30 years, you have to cultivate that startup mindset. And so we're going to really talk a lot about that and, and just what that means and, and how we can incorporate it. There's a huge host of amazing sponsors for that event. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to uh, being at that uh, uh, program. So if you go to osg.link forward slash SHA, which stands for Start Here Academy, uh, you can check out more details about that. Um, yeah, September is going to be a crazy month for me. Right after that, uh, heading to the Sublimation Summit in Peachtree City, Georgia uh, on September 23rd. And then that evening, hopping in the car and motoring over to Myrtle Beach, North Carolina for the Everything Embroidery Market. So I'll be there on the 24th. It's happening on the uh, 22nd through the 24th. And I'll be there just for that last day. Uh, and and bringing three topics that afternoon. So uh, apparently they just got me in a room in the back and said, here, have a screen, go to town. And I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. <laughs> um, I'm going to be talking about pricing for profit and confidence. Uh, I'm going to be talking to about keys to starting a successful product decorating business. And I'm also going to be talking about finding your customers to stand out in a crowd. So uh, I'd love to see you over there in Myrtle Beach. And then uh, last but not least, Terry, uh, I think this is rounding out the year for me. Who knows what will happen between now and then. But uh, October 19th through the 21st, we will be out at the Printing United show in Las Vegas. And um, yeah, so make sure you come by. Make sure you stop by. We'll actually have a two regular guys booth there. We want to talk to you guys. We want to get to take pictures and shake hands and video and the whole nine and just have a great time hanging out. I will have the blow up couch there, Terry, for sure. All the right. big one. And, and we uh, so, will yeah. be recording you when you come by our booth. So <laughs> that's right. Be prepared. All right. Well, Terry, I think uh, 
we've we've had a great show here we've come to the close of this show here we want to thank joe from amber creative and and uh, sorry for mispronouncing the name the the, the three goddess but uh, <laughs> and I, I repeated it. it just the way you did so <laughs> yeah <laughs> followed my lead that's a bad idea for you terry but um anyhow so thank you so much uh joe and also want to thank jeremy um we w- went out on linkedin and said hey we need some new guests and uh joe recommended uh, or sorry jeremy recommended joe and uh, and connected me with him and and uh, when I had a chance to talk with Joe on the phone before we we got this show together, I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And Joe came through just as expected. So thank you very much, Joe, for uh, being here. Absolutely, tons of great information. We also want to thank our show producer, Eric Campbell. I know Eric, you wanted to jump in here and you had lots of comments to make, I'm sure. But next week you have that opportunity. But uh, <laughs> thanks for all the magic you do in the background. Yes, yes. Thanks very much. And I think next time we have Joe on, I think we do need to have Eric in there too to just uh, round that out, right? Just so back um, away from the microphones. Yeah, exactly. In <laughs> fact, we'll we'll bring Eric in, and then you and I will, you know, we'll go do the producer. It'll take two of us to keep up with Eric. But uh, <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, uh, as you mentioned, Terry, next week we are going to be revisiting our non-decorator skills, the skills that business owners need that maybe don't necessarily relate to the digitizing, the screen making, and things like that, but uh, very important skills uh, inside of our business. And we will be uh, interviewing while still making him produce. Our very own Eric Campbell. So we are really looking forward to that, Terry. Absolutely, me as well. And that was a fill-in show that turned into a two-parter. How's that? <laughs> I know, shocking, right? <laughs> All right. Until then, I'm Terry Combs. He's Aaron Montgomery. We are the two regular guys. Here we go. We're out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to Two Regular Guys. Check out our website at tworegularguys.com. That's the number two, regularguys.com. You can also interact with us over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tworegularguys, or send us a tweet, twitter.com slash tworegularguys. And we have a YouTube page. You can find all that from our website, tworegularguys.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week.